0: You're listening to the micro version of the Savage Lovecast at savage.love.
1: If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Lovecast. You see a lot of gay men at the gym, but you never see gay men at the gym or anywhere else. Doing shit like this. Does anyone want to make a stand for Jesus today and say me? Anyone. Profess Jesus Christ in front of man and he says, I will have your back on judgment day. Does anyone want to raise their hand and say, Jesus is my Lord? Yeah. Uh, anyone. I have nobody raised their hand for God. Nobody. When you say stand around judgment day, this day will be brought up. First, sorry about the sound quality. Second, spoiler alert, no one was saved that day, even though there were probably more than a few Christians at that particular gym. It's a part of a chain of gyms called Genesis Health Clubs with locations in Iowa and Missouri and Kansas and Nebraska, Christian heavy states. Still, no one responded to this evangelical Christian influencer asshole who filmed himself doing an altar call at the gym. Well, I guess it's technically not an altar call, since there are no altars at the gym, more of a bench press call. He's standing in front of a row of bench presses. He's actually preventing other people from using the bench presses, which is a sin at the gym, because there are never enough bench presses. When Jesus returns, let's get him to do that loaves and fishes thing again and multiply the bench presses while he's at it, too. Anyway, when a couple of employees come over to politely ask this guy to stop yelling at people he rages at them so much aggression gets shipped under concern for other people's souls if you saw the video it looked like he was going to punch one of the guys from the gym in the face what he seemed most pissed about was the fact that the people working at the gym made him delete the video he made of himself standing there blogging the bench presses screaming about jesus clearly someone hasn't read matthew chapter 6 verse 5. anyway this guy clearly has issues And if it wasn't clear enough from this video, he posted a video a few weeks ago that also went viral. In that video, he talks about watching porn, straight porn, then gay porn, then trans porn, and then eventually... Eventually, the porn's not going to be enough. Just like Ted Bundy, eventually the porn wasn't enough for Ted Bundy. And he started actually doing the acts, and I started doing the acts. Never ever thought I'd be doing something like that. But... Know this, there's good news at the end of this. I Jesus found me. I found Jesus. I started to develop a relationship with Jesus. I realized that porn was in between me and God and that I had to take a spear and shove it down the heart of porn and kill it. All right. For the record, almost everyone watches porn while very few people kill people, which is what Ted Bundy did. He was a serial killer of women. We've seen an explosion in access to porn over the last 20 years, which has its upsides and downsides, but we haven't seen an explosion in violent crime. Violent crime, including rape and murder, is down at historic lows. So while we may have more straight guys out there who are curious about sleeping with trans women because of all this porn, we don't have more serial killers out there. Anyway, like I said at the top of the show, You don't see gay guys doing stuff like this at the gym or anywhere else. And what this guy is doing is recruiting. It's witnessing when they do it, when they rant and rage about their imaginary friends and threaten people they can't control with damnation. And it's grooming somehow when we insist on our right to exist publicly and otherwise be left alone. Religious people who accuse the gays of recruiting, and not all religious people make that accusation, and many gay people are religious themselves. But religious people who do accuse gay people of recruiting, who've resumed accusing gay people of recruiting, are engaged in such an obvious act of projection that the cognitive dissonance they must experience making that accusation should be at least as great or greater than the cognitive dissonance they experience when they watch trans porn and it turns them on we are not the ones sending out missionaries to convert people they are we are not the ones who knock on people's doors and hand them tracts they are we are not the ones who stand on the quad on a college campus or in front of the bench press stations at the gym yelling at people we don't threaten people with hell if they don't get down on their knees at the exact same time we do and for the exact same reasons we do. We don't recruit. They do. We aren't groomers. They are. That is their shit. That is not our shit. A quick digression. I have Christian friends, Christian family. I consider myself Catholic culturally. I have Christian listeners and readers. You're not all like that. I know. It is a fine thing to be out, gay and out about it, poly and out about it, Christian and out about it, kinky and out about it. So long as you're not obnoxious or controlling, so long as you're not yelling at people who don't share your faith or your hunger for cock or both, you're fine. And in fairness to straight people in gyms, there are things gay men do in gyms that can be pretty annoying. Flirting in locker rooms, hand jobs in saunas, that sort of thing. But if you can learn to ignore the 80-year-old guy blow-drying his ball sack at the sink, you can learn to ignore the gay dudes cupping each other's balls in the sauna. All right, this is our first show of the new year, so happy new year, everybody. I'm hoping it's going to be a good year. I'm taking the Greta Thunberg thoroughly humiliating takedown of Andrew Tate as a good omen for the new year. Also, Cher at 76, showing off her hot 36-year-old boyfriend, I'll take that as a good omen, too. So here's hoping the Ukrainians thoroughly humiliate Vladimir Putin and win this war. Here's hoping Biden thoroughly humiliates the House Republicans. And here's hoping Elon Musk continues to thoroughly humiliate himself in 2023. Coming up on today's show, tons of your Q's, lots of my A's, international porn star Leo Louie drops by to help answer a question about monetizing your dick pics. And on the Magnum Savage Lovecast, which you can subscribe to at savage.love, more calls, more guests, no ads. I talk with Jason Roeder, former senior editor at The Onion. His new book, Grief Strike, The Ultimate Guide to Mourning, is out now. It is a very funny book about death and dying. Our conversation is on the Magnum. This episode is brought to you by Fabric, making it easy to get high-quality, affordable life insurance for you and your family. Go to meetfabric.com slash savage today. This
0: episode of the Lovecast is brought to you by the good folks at Squarespace. They make it easy to build a beautiful website, blog, or online store. Head on over to squarespace.com slash savage for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code savage to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain.
1: Support for today's show, support we are very grateful for comes from stamps.com. With stamps.com, you can access all the amazing services of the post office right from your desk in your own home 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Just click print mail and you are done. It could not be easier. And right now use savage for this special offer includes up to 55 bucks worth of free postage, a digital scale and a 4-week trial. Do not wait. Go to stamps.com, and before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in SAVAGE. That's stamps.com, enter S-A-V-A-G-E.
2: Hi, Dan. I am a grown woman living on the West Coast. recently ended a live-in relationship a couple months ago, and as I was cleaning up things in the house and getting prepared to move myself, I found some notebooks that my ex had left behind. I didn't know they were his at first because there was no name on them. And since he was already gone and they could have also been left by any of the other housemates that I've had because there's a lot of stuff that's been left in my house. I opened them up and it was a journal. And sure enough, it was his handwriting. I recognized it right away. And without really trying to read it, of course, I skimmed through it and I saw there were these entries that were written kind of in letter form. Some were addressed to me nothing in there that was written about me was surprising. There were things written about his ex-girlfriend that he had dated before me. Again, there was nothing surprising there. But what did shock me were entries that I found addressed individually to his ex-girlfriend's two young daughters who are now grown. They're over 18. But these entries are very sexually explicit in nature. And these... Girls, these daughters of his ex-girlfriend, he has, he's known them for a very long time since they were small. This was, his ex-girlfriend is someone he was friends with for many, many years before they had a relationship and then that ended before we dated. But he has told me that these girls have always been like daughters to him because he's been a part of that family for so long. And now here he is writing these entries about these, these sexual fantasies that he's had about these two girls. And while they were still young, there's comments about watching them grow. I'm not going to go into detail, but the things I read were really horrible. And I was just, I mean, he has kind of always been kind of a sexual deviant in other ways, but I never expected something like this. And... Once I got over the initial shock of this, I thought, well, maybe he wrote these to get it out of his system so he doesn't have to act upon it. But I spoke to my therapist about this, and she says that I shouldn't say anything and maybe just hang on to this notebook in case, God forbid, he does something and it's needed for evidence or something. But I don't want to have that burden on me. I don't want to hang on to this notebook. I don't know what I should do with this. These are sexual fantasies that he wrote about these two girls that he claims were like daughters to him, daughters of his ex-girlfriend, and that he was like a father figure to them. I've been wanting to tell her, the, the mom, his ex-girlfriend about it. I'm not sure if I should. I know it would really devastate her, but I just, I don't know. I don't wanna bear the burden of holding on to this thing.
1: Give the journals back to him. Tell him that you read them so that he knows not to write this fucking kind of shit down. And if he is going to write this kind of fucking shit down, not to leave the journals where he wrote this fucking shit down, laying around in other people's apartments. Uh, In a sense, you snooped. You found these journals. You opened them. I'm sure you recognized his handwriting instantly. But then you plowed through these books and read what are his innermost thoughts about all the relationships in his life, his relationship with you, his relationship with his ex-girlfriend and his not relationships with. It doesn't sound like he did anything. He's fantasized about these two young women who are no longer children and fantasized about them in highly inappropriate ways really wrong and he knows it's wrong and i'm sure the wrongness of it all is probably shot through whatever it is that you read he has as many people do taboo and transgressive fantasies that he has thought about but hasn't acted on the entries that you describe in this journal aren't i did this I did that. They're not a recounting of crimes that he committed or crimes that he's planning to commit. They are fucked up sexual fantasies. A lot of people have fucked up sexual fantasies that they aren't going to, haven't and aren't going to ever act on. And if everybody who had a fucked up sexual fantasy that they were never going to act on, if the objects of those sexual fantasies were informed that they were the objects of this fucked up sexual fantasy on on the part of a parent a sibling a, a step a coworker, a colleague a neighbor it would make a lot of otherwise decent functional relationships unbearable and intolerable right now you're struggling under the burden of knowing because you read his journals which you kind of didn't really need to do i'm sure the moment you opened them and saw his handwriting you recognized it in an instant you could have closed it and spared yours and returned them to him and spared yourself but you didn't. You read them and you have evidence now not of crimes committed or crimes likely to be committed. These aren't children in any sort of imminent danger, just evidence that your ex-boyfriend, like a lot of people, has some fucked up sexual fantasies. I think you tell him that you read them so that he is more careful in the future about what he writes down and where he leaves it. We talk about the things you can't unsay. Well, you know, in a way, it's the things that somebody else can't unhear that are a problem. You can say anything you want to, If there's no one there to hear it. It's not really a problem, that thing you can't unsay. There are things you can't unwrite down if someone else has read them. The question here is, does his ex-girlfriend need to see this, read it? Do these young women need to see this or read it? And unless there's some evidence in these journals that he committed crimes that he hasn't been prosecuted for or unless there was a child at in danger, which there isn't, I don't think they need to share this burden with you. Hand them back to him. Tell him you read them. Tell him what he already knows, that this is extremely fucked up, that these fantasies of course, as I'm sure he's aware, are extremely fucked up. But also writing these things down and being careless about where he left the books that he wrote these things down in, that was fucked up too. And it's going to fuck up your relationship with him. You are not going to be friendly exes. And it's going to fuck up lots of other relationships of his if he's not more careful going forward. I would, in your shoes, hand those books back to him and urge him to burn them. This episode is sponsored by Fabric. Are you looking to get your financial future organized? If you don't have life insurance yet, that should be at the top of your list. Got kids? As a dad, I know how stressful it can be to make sure your kids are protected. It's the thing we worry about the most. Fabric by Gerber Life is the easy one-stop shop you need with life insurance and other family finance solutions all in one place. Fabric was designed by parents, for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric's new lower prices could mean potentially significant savings over other providers with great quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Life insurance can have a bad rap for being complicated, but Fabric makes it easy to apply with its seamless digital experience. It's all online and on your time, and if you need extra support, Fabric's team of licensed insurance agents can answer questions along the way. It takes less than 10 minutes to apply, see your quote, and then personalize your quote to fit your family's needs. You could be offered coverage instantly with no health exam required. Fabric has partnered with Gerber Life, trusted by millions of families like yours for over 50 years. And with over 1,600 five-star reviews on TrustPilot.com, You can feel confident that you're getting a high-quality policy that's perfect for your family. Fabric has a 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can cancel at any time. Fabric was specifically designed to give parents like you, parents like us, affordable term life insurance plus wills, access to college-saving funds, and more tools to help protect your family's financial future, all in an easy online experience. Protect your family today with Fabric by Gerber Life. Apply today in just 10 minutes at meatfabric.com slash savage. That's meatfabric.com slash savage, M-E-E-T fabric.com slash savage. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions.
3: Dan, how likely do you think it is that I can make money posting nudes or sending nudes on Twitter To wealthy men. Um, I'm a 32-year-old gay guy. I look decently good. I have a decent job but wouldn't mind extra cash. And I love to show off my dick and body (laughs) online. So do you think there's a way I can make it happen or is it just so saturated with porn stars and other content creators that it's unreasonable to think I could maybe get a piece of that too.
1: Joining me to help tackle this question, Leo Louie, international porn star and visual artist. Hey, Leo, thank you so much for jumping on the phone today.
3: Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here.
1: So uh, let, before we get to the specifics of this caller's questions, uh, how did you get started in porn? How did your dick pics wind up all over the internet?
3: That's a very good question. Well, they ended up there by my own sake. I started uploading them on Twitter. But I actually had made a friend there that I'd begun driving to his own sets. He was doing porn already. So I had begun meeting people like the cinematographer and such involved in the local industry. Um, But pretty quickly, once you start posing your nudes online and people start reacting to them people notice you. And so within the industry, Cocky Boys approached me. And so for my first year, I was signed exclusively with them.
1: Are you still with Cocky Boys?
3: Uh, not anymore. Right now, I still do work with them every once in a while, but I've been shooting with a studio such as him or Men.com.
1: So there are a lot of dick pics out there on the internet. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I got to say your dick pics may be some of the greatest pics of the greatest dick I may have ever seen in my life. But is the dick pic (laughs) market saturated? Is it saturable? Is the demand insatiable? Will we always need more dick pics on the internet or have we reached peak dick pic?
3: Yeah, is it, is it saturable and have you reached di- peak dick pic? That's a good one. Uh, well, I don't know if there's ever such threshold that people will be satisfied. There's always demand and there's always people, you know, that will be there to meet such demand. So I don't think we have reached saturation. I think there's been actually a lot of uh, more people joining in the party on Twitter and other social media, especially with the pandemic and people joining uh, the online sex work. So no, there's there's still plays that being said, yes, there's competition and there's, you know, there's lots of ugly dick pics and then lots there's few pretty ones, I guess.
1: Well, since the caller, the caller says, you know, he's 32, he's got a job, he doesn't really need the money. Should he leave the selling of dick pics to the guys who do need the money and just share his dick pics? What are the ethics here if you don't need the money and you're crowding out people who may be doing porn or sex work because they really need the money, is that Something you shouldn't do. Should you leave the the sales of the dick pics to the guys who got to pay the rent with the
3: salary? Well, it, the ethics is a funny question, but I don't think we should see this problem as a single pie to be taken like parts away for someone else. Whereas when you put yourself on the market, like people come for you, you're not you know taking money or you know resources that would have been allocated elsewhere. They're been allocated for your own sake, and frankly, like. You can do it for the sake of just needing money, and that's like, you know, a, a good end, it, you know, to pay the bills, and that's fine. But also, like, there's plenty of people that engage in different areas of sex work for other reasons, you know, for their own self-esteem, for growth, uh, for pure enjoyment, for voyeurism.
1: We never talk about the people who get into porn because they're exhibitionists and it's actually a, a, an authentic expression of their sexuality. They're not just there because they need the money. They're not just there because they may you know, be in a desperate circumstance. Some people are out there making and sharing porn for the joy of it. And I have to say, after watching a few of your clips, you seem to be making it for the joy of it. I've never seen somebody <laughs> in gay porn who looked like he was having more fun. I don't mean just like fun, sexy fun. I mean, like you look like you're having a blast and you're constantly (laughs) smiling (laughs) like you don't do that thing where people in port feel like they have to have a serious look on their faces the whole time you look like you're having the time of your life
3: you need to be because like you're working with these other people i mean to me it's a very it's a fun job right you're out there being brought to like to these new cities uh, meeting these beautiful boys and having sex with them on camera to me it's a you know once-in-a-lifetime opportunity in some sense, right? So I'm definitely, you know, enjoying myself and it would c- categorize myself as part of the crowd that is doing this work for the sake of, like, what it is. Not simply, like, as I mean to an end to pay the bills. Uh, although the paycheck is nice, obviously, right? I'm not going to hide that. Mm-hmm. But still, like, it's obviously, like, a very unique experience to put oneself through early on in one's life. And, yeah, I think it's valuable. There's definitely, like, different crowds. Like, I would say there's... You know the hypersexuals that have like a super high sex drive these would be the people that are more likely to do more like i feel only fan than studio porn only because you're more likely to be in control of your own bookings like people there's lots of people that use sex work as like an umbrella for exploring their own sexuality which is very valid and then there's people on the other side of the spectrum that do it like purely for the money that are you know totally uninterested in what they're doing maybe on camera but that's more of a minority and would be like the exception to the rule.
1: So you say this is something that you're doing, you know, at this stage of your life, you're young. Is this not something you imagine yourself doing forever?
3: You can totally do it at like different other spheres of your life. Uh, And I know plenty of models that are doing great careers, you know, in their fifties and up and whatnot. And you definitely can. When it comes to my own life path, I think I'm, I you know, I may still like engage in homoerotic media when I'm like uh, older and whatnot. But right now, it makes sense for me to be doing this. Whereas, like, I'm doing um, my studies as an art student, and I enjoy uh, the freedom of you know being able to travel, and it's essentially it matches very much a lifestyle of a no, so,
1: in no. addition to being an award-winning porn star, you're a you're a visual artist. Yes. I, I introduced you as a porn star and visual artist. People might have thought I was joking that like your porn is your visual art, but you actually <laughs> do you do artwork, and that's you have a safer work uh, Instagram account where you share your artwork. Is that your ultimate ambition to be a working artist?
3: Yeah yeah exactly and like I've been uh, I've been dabbling in the world of art even before I did porn I'm I'm doing this in junction with art and they will merge eventually in some regard but I was doing art before porn now I will be doing art with porn or after porn regardless like that is my prime vocation to be an artist yes
1: while I have you on the phone one last question it's a little it's a touchy subject <laughs> I wanted to run something by you every man I've ever dated every man I've ever married um and there's just one of him had what I always described, and I meant it as a compliment, as a kind of a Muppet face, like big eyes, huge mouths, really exaggerated striking facial features. You have all of that. You have a very big mouth, striking facial features, huge (coughs) eyes. You have what I would call a Muppet face. My husband hates that expression and (laughs) like me not to use it because he doesn't think of it as a compliment. As a... Hot muppet faced porn star, would you consider Muppet <laughs> face a, a compliment or should I just like stop using that expression? To describe
3: that <laughs> well, you know around? what? The way you sell it, I think it's funny. I think that if you are to look average, you're not going to stick out and buy no, you know. Uh, I think the rule of thumb is if you're going to, you know, look different in some way, it might be a good thing, you know, especially in today's day and age. Like, I think we should celebrate that. And if you're going to tell me I look like a muppet and my feet are really big and wide and stretchy and different. I'm like, hey, book me. Like, good, you know?
1: <laughs> Leo Louie is a porn star and visual artist. You can follow him on Twitter at leolouie0 and on Instagram at leolouie.sfw. Leo's been nominated for three Gay VN Awards. Those are the porn Oscars, favorite top, favorite cock, and favorite newcomer. You can vote for Leo at gayvnawards.com. Hey, Leo, thank you so much for chatting with me today.
3: It was a pleasure. Thank you so much.
1: I know what
0: your New Year's resolution is. It's to stop using Facebook as your homepage. Having your own website or blog takes your project to the next level and puts you in control of what you're cranking out. And Squarespace can make this easy as pie. If you're setting up a business or getting a creative or political project off the ground, you'll find an indispensable partner in Squarespace. They have everything you need, domains, marketing tools, analytics, e-commerce. They have great search engine optimization tools, so every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help you to raise your site higher on search results. Would you know how to build that? Uh, no, you would not. Squarespace empowers millions of creative types and entrepreneurs by providing them with the tools they need to bring their smart ideas to life. You can put together video ads, launch online courses, put out a virtual tip jar, all the tools you need to monetize your website and reach your goals are there waiting for you. You'll create powerful email content that matches your website with your existing products, blog posts, and logos so your messaging is consistent and effective. And what's more, everything you make with Squarespace translates perfectly to mobile. That's why my band uses it. Head on over to squarespace.com savage for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch... Use the offer code SAVAGE to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com savage and use the offer code SAVAGE.
4: Hi Dan, Nancy, and the tech savvy at-risk youth. This is a 30-year-old cishet woman. And I was with a guy this past week and it brought up a question that I wanted to ask you about how strict to be about using condoms. So I feel like with basically every man I've ever been with, They have wanted to rub their dick against me before putting on a condom, and mostly they do that. And I used to have a higher tolerance for it, but probably in part because of knowledge I have gained from your show, I'm a magnum sub here, I am now more anxious about that behavior because I know that it can spread STIs. I'm on very reliable birth control, so I'm not worried about that. But I definitely want to be careful When it comes to STIs, I know that there's a certain degree of risk that's unavoidable, but I at least want to be conscientious about it. So this guy this past week who I was with, we were in bed. We started fooling around. He started rubbing his dick against me, and I said, go put on a condom. And he was like, oh, sure. But he did it for like a few more seconds before going and getting a condom. I don't think this guy especially did anything wrong or was insensitive it more just brought up to me how prevalent this behavior is. And so I wonder if I'm missing something. Is it that the few seconds or a couple of minutes of rubbing up against me actually carries very low risk of STI transmission and in my mind it's overblown? Or is it that there is some risk there, but a lot of people don't know about it and so do it anyway or don't care about it and so do it anyway. And I'm not sure where all of that leaves me. I tend to be with guys who are pretty conscientious and careful and relatively educated about things having to do with sex so I, I just don't know, should I be really strict about this and insist that they put on a condom before they their dick touches me at all? Or should I just accept that a little bit of this is going to happen at the beginning of any sexual encounter and accept that it's a risk that I have to run? And Part two of the question is the thing that I mentioned earlier, which is how risky is this behavior actually?
1: How risky is this behavior? Rubbing dicks and pussies together before putting a condom on. Pretty risky when we're talking about the sexually transmitted infections that could be spread through skin to skin contact like HPV, which I hope you're vaccinated against and herpes a condom that covers the head of the penis and the shaft of the penis. If somebody has herpes or HPV and they have a sore that the condom covers, it'll protect you. But people can have HPV uh, and have herpes on their testicles, you know, at the base of their penis, even on their taints, their thighs. So that condom, which would provide some protection, Depending on where you know a herpes or HPV lesion was located, isn't going to provide complete protection. It really is a risk-benefit analysis that you need to do and weigh the pleasures of some uninhibited sexual contact against the risks that are inherent in that contact, in all sexual contact. The only way to avoid all risk of contracting one of those skin-to-skin. Transmissible sexual infections is to have no skin to skin contact with anyone. And we're humans, we're social animals. We have a kind of skin hunger we need to touch. And so the risk to me seems worth the reward or worth avoiding the kind of skin hunger and deprivation that you would experience absent that now when you tell someone to go put on a condom they shouldn't keep rubbing up against you they should hear your words the words you've used and go put that fucking condom on i don't think you did anything terribly wrong you're already engaged in this kind of genital rubbing and he allowed it to go on for a couple more seconds this thing that you had allowed to go on and were enjoying yourself so Yeah, he should have immediately put the condom on when you asked, but I don't think he committed a crime here. It's not like somebody removing a condom you asked them to put on or refusing to put a condom on and then initiating penetrative sex. It was just, you know, not best practices for him not to get up immediately, put that condom on. (sighs) I think this is a risk that a lot of people know about and then they do these things anyway And it's not that they don't care about the risks. It's just that the risks are worth it. You know, those skin-to-skin, possibly sexually transmissible infections that we talk about, HPV and herpes, it's not like rubbing two twigs together to build a fire. You don't rub, you know, a dick and a pussy together and you get herpes or you get HPV. It's not spontaneously generated. Somebody has to have the infection and be shedding the virus. Hopefully somebody who has a full-blown herpes sore will not be having sexual intercourse, but somebody can be shedding the virus without having a sore. And how do you control for that? Well, these sexually transmitted infections are really common. If you're going to have many sex partners, more than one sexually exclusive sex partner, you're accepting a certain degree of risk for acquiring these sexually transmitted infections that you may already have. A lot of people who have herpes and HPV are asymptomatic and don't know that they have it. So that dude that you're with, he needs to put that condom on as much to protect himself from you as you from him. Hey, small business owner, it's the new year, but your holiday rush is far from over. January means dealing with customer emails, returns, gift card purchases, and the inevitable increase in the cost of postage. Fortunately, Stamps.com teamed up with the post office to get you huge mailing and shipping discounts of up to 86% It is a real boon for your small business. Print your own postage right from your home or office within minutes of signing up and never stress about finding the fastest and cheapest shipping solutions. Stamps.com does that for you. It finds the cheapest shipping solution for you automatically. No guessing, no overpaying, no thinking required. Start the new year by saving serious money on mailing and shipping. Get started with Stamps.com today and sign up with the promo code SAVAGE and you will get a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale, no long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and enter the code SAVAGE.
5: Hey, Dan, Nancy, and the Tech Savvy at Risk Youth. 40-year-old cishet female here calling from California with a stinky conundrum. One of my best friends is going through the same thing. We are each dating guys who refuse to wear any type of deodorant. The scent, their natural scent, is untenable for us, even in the winter months. Would love some advice on how to talk to them. We've both tried and... Each of them have had a litany of excuses and some sensitivities as we tried to explain that we were not super into their natural scent. Is the aluminum stuff really that bad for you? I'm so curious if you could get any type of expert on on the aluminum topic personally i do wear aluminum you know for anything important that i'm doing or when i'm going to the gym yeah i would neither one of us would ever think about going deodorant free when you know having a a romantic time with someone (laughs) so very curious what you all think
1: setting aside the fact that you and your girlfriend are both dating men who smell bad who stink And don't care that their girlfriends find their stank gross and offensive. We're just going to set that to one side. The American Cancer Society says there's no evidence that aluminum in antiperspirants causes cancer. And you know what? There's no aluminum in deodorants. An antiperspirant has aluminum in it because the aluminum salts help prevent people from sweating by literally clogging up pores no aluminum in deodorant. Deodorant just knocks down the stank. Your boyfriends should be able, can, should be willing to use deodorant once in a while as a courtesy to the women who fuck them. That would be you and your girlfriend. That they won't do that and you continue to fuck and date them anyway? Makes me wonder what the hell is wrong. I mean, There's a lot wrong with them. We know what's wrong with them. What's wrong with you? Why are you dating these guys? I can go to my husband when he stinks and say, oh my God, you stink. Go take a shower. Use deodorant. And just like, you know, big shampoo has convinced us all we need to shampoo our hair every day and then use conditioner to restore some of the oils that the daily shampooing are stripping out. We don't need to shampoo our hair every day. You can shampoo your hair. You can wash your hair every once in a great while. You don't have to use deodorant every day. If you use deodorant once a week, once every 10 days, you're not going to have stank-ass armpits that offend your girlfriends or your husbands, in my case. So you need to start using the leverage that you have in this relationship, which is your presence, which is, I, I guess, your face close enough to your boyfriend's to catch a whiff of them. If you won't come within 10 feet of them when they are unshowered and not using deodorant for stupid fucking irrelevant reasons, there is no aluminum in deodorant, and the aluminum that isn't antiperspirant isn't actually a problem and isn't giving anybody cancer, don't get near them. Don't fuck them. Use that leverage. You should be able to say to somebody that you're dating, somebody you share a bed with, somebody who wants your nose in their crotch or your nose near their armpits or faces or whatever during sex, you should be able to say to that person, go take a shower, you stink. And time for your fortnightly application of a little bit of deodorant out of consideration for your girlfriend's feelings. And if they won't do that, why are you dating them? Why are you with them at all?
6: Hi Dan, cisgender heterosexual male magnum sub Colin from Eastern Canada. I absolutely adore your show. One thing I need to say, however, is that I totally disagree with your stance that condoms do not significantly decrease sensitivity while fucking. For me, they absolutely do. Like you, I've had condoms break while I was inside someone. But unlike you, I can feel it immediately when it happens. Whenever a condom is broken on my cock, the feeling of suddenly experiencing that wet pussy with no barrier was always amazing. Which unfortunately told me that I needed to stop immediately. Another issue that we haven't really addressed is the fact that a lot of women also really dislike using condoms. Women, friends, and sex partners have told me that they don't like the feeling, the smell, or having a barrier that stops you from coming inside them. So it's not just us guys who complain about condoms. I see condoms as a necessary evil, and we've got to use them. But for a lot of people, they really do cut down on the fun. Condoms
1: suck. Okay. Condoms suck. They're a pain in the ass. For some people, they decrease... Sensitivity and pleasure. And yeah, as you point out, there are some people on the receiving end of the fucking who prefer it bare. Some people don't like the feeling of latex. Some people don't like the psychological awareness that there is a barrier at all between the inside of them and the dick that's inside them. I get it. I mean, I'm not lying when I say that I've had condoms break and didn't notice a sudden rush of sensation. Individual results may vary. Your experience has been different, but it is really common that people have a condom break and keep going for a while because they didn't notice. And unless all the guys out there when a condom breaks are lying assholes who are taking advantage and, you know, stealthing in that moment which is almost too horrible to contemplate, then it would seem that for many people, there isn't the same kind of rush of sensation that that you feel. But yeah, condoms, maybe we should frame them as a necessary evil, but they provide benefits. Condoms are a necessary good. They're a necessary savior. If you want to prevent certain sexually transmitted infections, if you want to prevent pregnancy and you haven't had a vasectomy or your partner isn't on some other effective form of birth control, condoms are awesome. Condoms make a lot of great casual sex possible and great casual sex goes a long way to improving a lot of people's lives. Lousy casual sex goes a long way to not ruining, but not improving a lot of people's lives. And we should be choosy about the people we have casual sex with. Uh, Good and decent and loving and kind and considerate people to the front of the line. Selfish assholes who don't speak up when a condom breaks, even if they experienced a rush of sensation because they selfishly want to continue without a condom. Yeah, they should be thrown the fuck out, never invited back. But yeah, I'll say it. Condoms are a bit of a pain in the ass, especially if you're trying to open a condom packet after your fingers are slick or luby or wet with vaginal secretions, which is why smart people rip open the condom packet before things start to get hot and heavy. Uh, Going to get a condom, mid-action, you're hard, time to go get the condom. It's in another room. Also an amateur condom user mistake. Condoms should be right there in an already torn open packet on the nightstand. And sometimes people experience a loss of sensation when they put a condom on because the condom isn't the same temperature as their cock and they notice it for a moment. And if you just put the condom on right before you dive in, right before you begin to engage in penetration, you may you know, have the sads about everything that you had to sacrifice to enjoy that casual sex or enjoy that sex without having to worry about syphilis or gonorrhea or HIV. Pro tip if you put that condom on during foreplay while you're still rolling around after you're hard, uh, but a little bit before you dive in it it'll rise to your body temperature and you will feel a little less loss of sensation than you would if you put the condom on the split second before. You start penetration, but you make a good point. You make several good points, including it's not always the person with the dick who's complaining about having to wear the condom who prefers to go bare. It's also, in many instances, the person getting fucked, man or woman, the person being penetrated by that dick who prefers not to have a condom. All right, before we get to this week's listener response calls, let's read some emails and DMs. This came via email. My husband gifted me a Magnum subscription to the Savage Lovecast after hearing me go on about your podcast for years. And I wanted to mention something that may bring more subscribers your way, Dan. I didn't become a Magnum sub because I wasn't sure how that would work. Would I have to listen on a website? Would I have to perform some complicated login or would it magically appear in my Apple podcast library? Turns out it was the latter. The show now magically appears in my podcast library. Got an email, clicked the link on my phone and I was in with the Magnum edition conveniently colored blue instead of red. It was so easy. Thank you, Heather, for writing in and tell your husband I said thank you for gifting that Magnum sub to his loving wife with great taste in podcasts. Longtime guest expert Joan Price wrote in to say regarding the five foot four collar. Has he tried seeking women his height or shorter? As a petite woman myself, four foot ten, I've had to train tall men to plie before kissing me to spare me neck pain. Short men, welcome. And finally, Naomi left a comment on the show at savage.love. So, listening to the conversation this week about the proposed public sex dungeon in Fort Lauderdale, I thought Dan really needed to hear about the proposal to transform Minneapolis's failing Hiawatha golf course into a public sex forest. I hadn't heard about that proposal. I've heard about it now, thanks to you, Naomi. Listeners, if you want to hear all about that proposal, just Google Minneapolis and Public Sex Forest. All right, thanks to everyone who commented about this week's show on Facebook and Instagram and at savage.love. And now, let's get to those listener response calls.
7: Hey, Dan. About the guy who couldn't break up with his girlfriend because she was blocking his exit from the doorway and all that stuff. I really don't agree with telling her when she's in the airport. Even the most seasoned traveler can have a meltdown during travel. So... Do everything you said, take care of the cats, leave the food, leave them tons of food, get your stuff out, email her before she leaves her family's house so she has time with her family to process it and figure out how she's going to get back and then just not be there so she knows she has to get the Uber or call a friend even. Hi, Dan. This is in response to the woman who had gone through a medication abortion and was upset about crisis pregnancy centers and her mother My heart goes out to her. I hope she's doing well. I hope that she has had a conversation with her mother that accomplished what she needed it to accomplish. But I wanted to highlight some action that people can take if they, too, are outraged about these absolutely horrible, fraudulent, crisis, pregnancy clinic, not clinics. Um, If you go to the website, exposefakeclinics.com, You can help do the work of reviewing these places on Yelp, on Google, on Facebook, everywhere, essentially. And the goal is to flood these places with reviews about what they actually do so that when women are in need of abortions and help, they get the information from a Google search that this is not a place that they should go. Like you mentioned, our hands are really tied when it comes to finances for these places, but... We can go online and tell people what they're really about.
8: Hi Dan, I am a trans guy calling in response to the trans guy that was concerned about straight guys on Grindr who might be interested in him. I imagine that if these guys do this, unless they're just really cute, they're probably not super successful because my experience on Grindr has been that I have a lot of options and I am not sleeping with every one of them because I pick the ones that I'm interested in. Also, I think that this whole conversation leaves out the existence of bi guys. I will say that I've had better experiences with men who at least are experienced with all kinds of genitals, and often bi guys are, and just because... Some, like, if you find some guy and then you find out that, oh, their last partner was a woman or something, that doesn't mean that they're not into men. I mean, they are often much better at oral sex, I will say. So just keep that in mind. Don't let your fear of accidentally sleeping with a straight guy override that
1: awareness. And we're going to leave it there. Got a question for next week's Lovecast or something to say about something I said on this week's Lovecast, use the Voice Memo app on your phone to record your question, comment, and email it to us at voicemail at savagelovecast.com. You can call us also at 206-302-2064, and you can go to savage.love to record and upload your questions directly onto the website. Have you visited savage.love yet? Savage.love is the online home of the Savage Lovecast, Savage Love, my advice column, the archives for the column, and the podcast going back 30 years, new episodes and columns posted every Tuesday. And since Twitter is a shit show, savage.love is the best place to join the conversation and comment on my column and my podcast. And Magnum subs get even more longer ad-free love casts, more Savage Love, more of the column, my weekly reader roundup and invites to live events. Go to savage.love and check it all out. Follow me on Instagram, at Dan Savage. I'm also on post.news, at fake Dansavage. Follow Jason Roeder on Twitter, at Jason Roeder. That's J-A-S-O-M-R-O-E-D-E-R. And be sure to read his terrific new book, Greed Strike. The Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian and me and the tech savvy at Risk Youth and Nancy. We'll all be back at you next week with an installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thank you for downloading, and Happy New Year.